Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, March 24, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norland is here with me. He's social distancing at home. I'm social distancing at home. Norlander, how, how you holding up during this coronavirus pandemic of 2020? Because I've been home now two weeks straight, and it feels like two years. It feels like two centuries Uh, not sure i could take much more of this my kids are driving me crazy the shining has never made more sense to me than it does precisely this moment it's great to hear from you again this has been our longest gap between podcasts and geez probably six months here uh but listeners don't worry we do have more coming to you this week i'm doing doing relatively well uh all things considered (laughs) although um my wife happens to work in the healthcare industry in that she is uh, her company helps um, do a lot of stuff with nursing. So she's not on the front lines or anything like that, but she helps market and provide opportunities and awareness to those uh, nurses across the country who are seeking uh, employment opportunities, either temporary or long-term, travel nursing, et cetera, et cetera. It's a huge industry. So she is, weirdly, we have gone from what was expected to be by far and away my busiest point of the year to now her being as busy as she has ever been. So because of that, um, she's in meetings all day and we are actually podcasting at night here on Tuesday because I have the kids and she has to use my office so we could not podcast during the day. And so doing some um, doing some learning at home. ABC Mouse, I want to give a shout to the people at ABC Mouse for uh, getting together with schools across the country. My four-year-old, who is obviously not in pre-K at the moment, um, it's just it's it was free to register and he's loving it so that's been great but my one-year-old couldn't care less trying to stab everyone with crayons and so i've hit a couple of breaking points within that but it's been it's been good it's continues to be weird i've been on the phone with many coaches and administrators this week uh, for a story i'm working on for later this this week that we'll get on the podcast next time um so I only bring that up to say I've been talking with a bunch of people about how they've been adapting, and it is uh, it's just interesting to hear the the humor and the frustrations and and the cursing at the lack of progress our country seems to be making and taking social distancing seriously by extending this problem. So I know that you are already having some issues on the home front and I regret to inform you it just seems like we are uh, just kicking the can down a road a little bit just a little bit I think collectively as a country so uh, I would just say get comfortable buddy I don't know how much more of this I can take well you're about to find out (laughs) that's the problem (laughs) I reached my breaking point this afternoon like since I flew home from the CAA tournament uh, two Wednesdays ago right so it it was Two, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so it was two weeks ago tomorrow. And I have been home with the kids. 
because they were on spring break that week. So they weren't in school anyway. And then they never went back to school. And so I have been home by myself with, I have three sons, but my oldest, our oldest is 17. So he's like, you know, he's in his room studying and doing work. He's fine. He's like, he could be here, not be here. We wouldn't even really know half the day. Um, that's no issue. But the six-year-old, the three-year-old, I've been home with them every day, all day, until I leave for radio around three o'clock in the afternoon. So from the moment they wake up till three o'clock in the afternoon, my wife gets up. My wife is a, a children's uh, boutique owner. So she's been getting up and stu- still doing online orders and there's still plenty of stuff to do at the store. So she goes to the store. I'm at home with the six-year-old and the three-year-old, and I've been holding it together pretty well, balancing work and you know just juggling. Anybody who has two children, six and under, you, you're just juggling all day. You know that. I've been pretty good balancing work and, and the children. Today I reached my breaking point. I actually had to call my wife, and I had to say, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, like I'm, I'm not trying to say that my, my work is more important than your work. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I can't do my work anymore. I, 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 I am trying to rank 26 basketball teams for next season. I am on CBS Sports HQ talking about Obi Toppin and Anthony Grant. I've got to prepare for a radio show. I've got to do a Facebook Watch video. And Louie, our three-year-old, just decided to pull his pants down while I went downstairs to get his iPad for him, he decided to pull his pants down and pee in my chair. <laughs> I said, I can't do it anymore. I, 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 he, asked me, he says, Dad, where's my iPad? I'm like, Lou, I, it's not my job to keep up with your iPad. Like, it, it's red. It's got a handle on it. You, you can keep up with it at this point. He said, I think it's downstairs. I said, cool, then go get it. And then I hope he'd get distracted downstairs and just stay there for a minute. He's like, nah, I don't know where it is. You go get it, please. And then it's just, you, you know how it is. You can either have this conversation for 10 minutes with a three-year-old or just go do it yourself. And in a crunch for time, I'm like, fine, I'll go get the iPad. By the time I get the iPad, because I had to find it, I, I'm, I'm coming back up the stairs. My six-year-old standing at the top of the cha- stairs. He says, Dad, Louie, Louie peed in your chair. I'm like, what? Why would, why would, he, why would he do that? So then I walk in here. In, in my office, and th- there's my three-year-old, Lou. He has his pants off. They're completely off. And there's clearly a liquid substance in my chair that appears to be urine. I mean, it couldn't be. It is, it is like getting caught with yeah, the gun yeah. and blood in your hands. Get I that, mean, get that uh, up-close-and-personal smell test going on? How do, how do we determine this? I just, I just trusted that it is what it appeared to be. Okay. So I look at Lou. I said, Lou, what, what did you— what did you do? Why did you do that? He said, I didn't do anything. I said, what do you mean you didn't do anything? He said, I didn't do anything. I said, Oliver told me you peed in the chair. No, I didn't pee in the chair. I said, Lou, you look like somebody who just peed in the chair. You got no, no pants on and, uh, and there's pee in the chair. I'm going to assume that it could have only been you or Oliver and you're the one standing next to the chair with no pants on. So I'm going to assume it's you. He said, okay, dad, it was me. I'm sorry. It was an accident. I said, it was not an accident. You don't accidentally pull your pants down and pee in a chair. That's a very intentional thing. Like if you peed in your pants, perhaps that's an accident. Peeing in my chair, that's intentional. You had real intent there. He said, I said, why would you do that? Cause it's not the type of thing he would do. He just doesn't run around peeing on furniture. He said, Oliver told me to do it. I said, your big brother told mm. you to do it. He said, yes, sir. So I go back to Oliver. I said, Oliver, what were you trying to get accomplished? Like Oliver tells him to pee in my chair and then tells on him to me before I even see it, which is just sort of a weird way to go about it. And so 
that's what I was juggling with this afternoon. That is roughly four minutes before I called my wife and I said, enough, enough is enough. I, I can't do this anymore. I got to talk about Obi Toppin on CBS Sports HQ and I've got pee in my chair. Man, that's... And, and like, I, I'm assuming the reason they did it is because they're just bored out of their mind. Like, when I'm trying to actually do my job, I can't give them the attention they, they deserve or need. And we can't go outside because it's been raining. It feels like it's been raining for two weeks. It has been certainly raining for the past 24 hours. So we can't go outside. They're trapped at home. I thought about this, too, which is kind of a weird thing for a six-year-old. Less weird for a three-year-old, but certainly weird for a six-year-old. They haven't seen anybody other than me, their mother, yeah. and their oldest brother in two weeks. Nobody's coming to our house. They're not going to, to anybody's house. Under normal circumstances, they would spend the night with my mother at least once a week. They haven't left this house except to go to the park one day, one night You know when it was empty to let them just run around a little bit. They haven't seen anybody other than the same faces all day long every day. That's not, that's not, that's not a normal thing. It's not. I felt that a little bit too, just in that, you know, my mother or my wife's mother would come over just in general, just they want to see they want to see their their grandchildren and now it's just totally reduced to uh to FaceTime. Yeah, it's it's a little rough. You know what we've done actually and I would recommend this to people listening if you haven't thought to do it already. Um it just kinda of popped in my head last week and I've tried to do one a day, even if it's only for seven minutes and some of them have gone as long as 30 or 40 minutes. But um, to the people I've known for a long time, like longtime friends that live in different parts of the country um, and, you know, it's kind of life just does its thing and you go eight months, 12 months, 16 months without having like a real conversation. It's not even phone call. We are FaceTiming friends in California, New York, Virginia, North Carolina, and just kind of catching up and, and just kind of surprising them. Just give them a FaceTime call out of nowhere. Everyone's kind of stuck in the same boat. Pick maybe a little before dinner, a little after dinner. Do it on the weekend when time is going to be more free. And it's honestly, it's become kind of a highlight of our days and just kind of catching up with with old friends um, in a way, you know, either mine or my wife's. And just, you know, everyone's not doing – they're doing the same thing by not doing much at all, but it's, it's kind of – uh, brightened our days and, and kind of made it. And the the boys, uh, they love it just because they, they, you know, it's a phone, it's a screen. People are talking through it, so they're going to be attached to it. But just a little, uh, a small life hack, if you will, for those out there that are obviously uh, trying to get through the days with some creativity and maybe just some different stuff. FaceTime someone you haven't talked to in a long time. They probably would love to hear from you, and you can, and you can make it a connection and uh, maybe make the day be that much better for both your ends. And to the point you made earlier, like, you know, we can laugh about how stressful these days get, especially when you have young children. Uh, the truth is, I know that those, that those stressful moments are not unique to me. There's got to be fathers and mothers out there going through the exact same thing. Um, but we are going to have to get used to it and also embrace the good times. The good times are great. There have been some really sweet, sweet moments in the house. Um, but they do get, you know, the days can get can get difficult. But either way. Um, this is probably going to be the way we're living for a while. I know that um, you know the, the president has made it clear he would prefer to reopen America as soon as possible, perhaps as you know in, in, in a matter of weeks instead of months and reopen America. The hashtag was trending on Twitter, but the truth is um, most medical officials seem to think the smartest thing we can do right now is do what we're doing right now for an extended period of time. So this is our life. Uh, for better or worse, sometimes it really does feel better. Uh, 
Other times, mm. it's undeniably, undeniably worse. Let's get to basketball. Yeah. Um, there have been, since we last talked, a number of announcements about uh, underclassmen. I'm coming back to school or I'm going to go through the draft process. A couple of coaching hires have happened as well. I'll let you just bounce through those real quickly. Yeah, just uh, before we get to uh, the main uh, topic on the podcast here, just a, a few house cleaning items for those that might have, uh, you know, listen, we know that your minds are on a lot of stuff here. So if you're curious, um, some recent draft declarations, not necessarily surprising. Xavier Tillman, father of two, uh, announced on Tuesday that he's going to put his name in the draft. Tyrese Halliburton, who should be a top 15 top 10 pick out of Iowa State. Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Trey Jones out of Duke. Daniel Turu out of Minnesota. Colorado's Tyler Bay. We wait on McKinley Wright. I would expect him to uh, declare really any day now as well. Put their names in. Cole Anthony made an announcement that he is not making an announcement yet. Uh, I thought it was a thoughtful thing. Um, not an expected one, but he said a lot of people are asking me what my decision is and when I'm going to make that decision, but the world's got a lot of issues right now, and I'm just going to step back and uh, and hold off on making any such announcements. So we wait on when that will be, but everyone obviously anticipates Cole Anthony to eventually uh, declare his intentions to join uh, the NBA draft pool. On the coaching side, it's a super slow carousel. Um We'll see if that remains to be the case. In fact, I think in less than a week from now, once the HBO special, the scheme, the documentary about Christian Dawkins goes, I don't know if Parrish has seen it or not. I have. I wrote about it. But once the public can see it, we'll talk about that. I think Will Wade's job even more so might be hanging in the balance, but I digress. We'll get to that down the road. Otherwise, it's been relatively quiet. Luke Yaklich is going to go to UIC. That hasn't been officially announced, but I did confirm that news. Uh, Jeff Goodman, the stadium, had it first. Stan Johnson left. Marquette is now the coach at LMU. I think he's got a good shot to do well there. Andy Kennedy is the biggest name to get a job, other than Bryce Drew at Grand Canyon, Rick Pitino, Iona, and then Andy Kennedy uh, as of late. He's now at UAB. And then Jim Christian is going to remain at Boston College. That news became official on Tuesday when the AD at BC announced it. So just a quick couple of... Uh, of headlines there. Oh, and uh, by the way, Obi Toppin, Player of the Year, Anthony Grant, Coach of the Year for the AP, officially, and it's the first time since St. Joe's in 04 that the same school has has had the Coach and Player of the Year uh, from the same program. So that was Jameer Nelson and Phil Martelli, and now another A-10 program, 16 years post, has accomplished the same feat. All right. I published the top 25 and one earlier on Tuesday. Gonzaga is number one. We'll get into it next, but First, let me tell you a little bit about Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on, never relaxing? I know I do, and that's no way to live. It's important to turn off every once in a while, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's Coors Light Mountain Cold Refreshment. There's only one beer literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. As the summer months draw closer, you're going to want cold refreshments. Coors Light is perfect for that. It's brewed with a three-step cold process. Cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978, Coors Light is refreshing, crisp, and only 102 calories. That's why Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to relax. You should choose it, too. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, just 102 calories. And always remember to celebrate responsibly. That's Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado. So the top 25 and one has been published. I decided to go with Gonzaga at number one 
based on the idea that everybody who is expected who everybody who can return to Gonzaga with college eligibility will return to Gonzaga with college eligibility because it's not like they have an obvious guaranteed lock lottery pick or even first round pick combine um, a roster where you're bringing back three of the top five scores until including Philip Petrushev, who I think will be a preseason first team all American combine that with a top 10 recruiting class highlighted by five star guard Jalen Suggs, who's the highest rated player to ever commit to Gonzaga. And on paper to me, that looks like the number one team in America. Do you agree or disagree? I can't agree or disagree yet because I have not. I wanted to have some fun with this here. So I know you published the top 25-1, and one, and I knew that Gonzaga was the f- number one team. But I have not looked at your rankings um, because I wanted to get a sense of what you did in real time and learn the way that listeners would learn now on the podcast with us or if they read the top 25-1 and one on the CBS Sports app or at cbsports.com. So... Mm. Um, before I get to guessing on a few of these teams, my 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 big question to you is: When it, the top twenty-five and one twenty-six teams, how many did you legitimately consider in that pool of twenty-six? Are we looking at as many as forty, or did you find yourself maybe around thirty-one, thirty-two, and it was it was you know not that hard to kind of kick out the teams you didn't think were worthy? It's closer to about thirty-one, thirty-two. Um, I I had twenty-eight teams. Ultimately, when I went through everything. And I mean, I'm looking at last season's rankings, how they finished up, final Ken Palm rankings, um, Las Vegas odds for next season to win the national championship. When I looked at everything, I probably had about 30, 31, 32 teams that I seriously considered for the top 26. And I got that down to 28. There were 20, there were two teams that I really had a, a hard time cutting, but I ultimately cut. Um, I, 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 I had 28 teams that I wanted to rank for 26 spots. I guess okay. this is a simple way to put it. Okay. Um, let me try and guess. I want to try and guess your top 10, okay, in order mm-hmm. here. And we'll see how often. Again, I have not studied the rosters, the recruiting classes, so this is kind of kind to be blind here. Um, Gonzaga. And let, me, and let me make sure you understand at least one of the ways I approach this. Okay. I assume – that every consensus first round draft pick is gone is gone like and if if they decide to come back I'll adjust that's the great thing about writing online you can just adjust every single day if you want to fresh page views every time so uh, but but for the my purposes if somebody is a consensus first round pick for instance Sadiq Bay everybody's yeah. got him in the t- first round of the mock drafts now I'm assuming he's gone um, if he comes back, I'll take that into consideration I assume any uncommitted top 100 prospect is going to enroll where 24-7 sports has them projected to commit to right now. So for Greg Brown, that's Texas. I am I am okay. ranking Texas based on Greg Brown being on that roster. If Greg Brown instead commits to Memphis, then I'll adjust accordingly. But right now he is projected to be on Texas's roster. And with other um, – I'm also assuming for the purpose that the seniors will not be given a year of eligibility. Like Cash Winston's not coming back. Yeah. And um, for, for anybody projected outside of the first round, I, I just I talk to people connected to the program or NBA people or a combination of them, and I make educated guesses on them. And if I'm wrong on one of them, I'll correct it when it needs to be corrected. This is fascinating. All right. Um, all right, here we go. 
Gonzaga one. I'll say Creighton is number two. Creighton is number three. Creighton is three. Okay, I I I wrote out fourteen teams, and this was cursory looks at what they might be. Um, I have I had Creighton at two, so you got a three. I have Baylor as your thirteen. I have Baylor number four. Okay, so then I have Nova as your fourth teamer. Is Nova number two? I have Villanova number five. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm one off every single time. Um, hmm. Okay, I've got Kentucky. So far, every every time you've named yeah. every team named is in the top ten so far. All right, this next one I didn't look at their recruiting situation, but I just knowing you and thinking that. Either Richards or Quickly will return. I just was banking on you having them top five. So I've got Kentucky five. I have Kentucky number two, right behind Gonzaga. You do. Okay. And the roster projection is lose Nick Richards, lose Tyrese Maxey, lose Ashton Hagens, um, but you keep Emmanuel Quickly, bring back EJ Montgomery, and you add an incredible recruiting class, Terrence Clark, BJ Boston, Devin Askew, um, you know, it's it's bring back the SEC player of the year and and add two top ten players to the roster. I can't believe that I went four for four, by the way. That's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but in terms of us I I named the four other teams in your top five after knowing Gonzaga. Uh one, two, three, four. Okay. Um six is a combo of what I thought you might do plus my belief. I think considering everything this team is set to return and bring in, I would be pretty gung-ho on having him as a preseason top six team. So my number six guess is Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers. I have Virginia number seven. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. I swear to God I have not looked at your, at, at your rankings. Um, all right. After that, to me, it gets a little bit shakier. Um, all right. I, I didn't have a ton of confidence in this team at seven. I think I have them probably too high from where you'll have it, but I have Michigan State at seven. I've got Michigan State at twelve. Okay. I, I, I that's one when I look at the roster and other people have come out with preseason rankings. Um, you know, Jeff Jeff Porzello had some, Rob Doster had some, John Rostein had some. I am lower on Michigan State than everybody else. Obviously, that uh, assumes they're losing. Xavier Tillman. I mean, the guy's got two kids for crying out loud. It's time to go get a job. Right. It's, t- it's time to go get a job. Um, I'm a, and when you look at that without Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, I don't love it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I get that. And you're right. By the way, like us having Xavier Tillman's about to be like, I got to go get a job. <laughs> like, you're right. Time, he, time. He's going to, that's, he said he's going to make his decision once he, he gets all the right information back. The information is right in his house. Like, he's going to be making that decision, what he's got to do with his life. Dude, dude he's going to go get a job at Amazon. Yeah. He, he's just going to be like, I got to get out of this house. If I can't play basketball, like, I'll get a job at Kroger. You he are, just needs, <laughs> trust me, a father, two young children, yeah. that dude needs a job that, that is going to be happening um all right so i have you have virginia at seven so i don't have your sixth team yet i've got oregon at eight for you i have oregon Ooh, i have oregon much lower i have oregon all the way down at 24 okay way off um i thought they aren't they supposed to bring back Mo, the loose pritchard they lose Shakur Justin, Justin, but Anthony Mathis, but they bring back 
um, Will Richardson and Folly Dante, yeah. Chandler Lawson, C.J. Walker. They bring right. back a lot of complementary pieces. Okay. But like, who's the who's the dude there? Yeah, I don't know. Fair. Okay, fair, fair. So I was way, way off on that. Um, don't tell me you went Duke with six. I have Duke at nine here. Did you have Duke six? I have Duke six, but it's based did. on Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt, both coming back. That will be interesting to see if those decisions actually happen. Um, I would think Stanley is less likely than Hurt, and I think Hurt could really uh, have a pop year as a sophomore there. Okay, so we've got Duke 6, Virginia 7. Uh, we got to figure 8, 9, 10. I got Iowa's at 10, so in theory that would be the, your 8th team. They're the highest-ranked team I have on my board. Where do you have the Hawkeyes? Iowa 9th. Iowa 9th. I, I haven't hit one on the money yet. I'm always one off here. Um, okay, uh, 11, and I was hesitant about putting this team 11th, but I thought it was an aberrational year. You have really good talent coming in next season, and most of your other pieces are going to return. So while it is an aggressive ranking, if you told me this team at the end of next season was a three seed with its coach, its tradition, it's history. This is my way of letting users trying to guess who I'm going to say. I have UNC. Can 11. I guess? Can I guess? Oh, oh okay. uh, sorry. I, was UNC? Who did you think I was going to say? UNC? No, I thought you. I I had another. T- I thought you were describing Tennessee. Okay, so is Tennessee your next team? No, I have Tennessee 13. Okay, so UNC was my next guess. Where do you have the Tar Heels on your rankings? I have North Carolina 16th. I think that's fair. Now they bring in, I, I believe, a top three class, and they're they going to do the the class. The recruiting classes right now are Kentucky one, Duke two, Carolina three. Yeah, and so you know, presumably lose Cole Anthony, um, but every other underclassman set to return. I mean, you know, I, I, it will be super interesting with uh, with UNC and, and what they have there. Um, so you're looking for my eighth team, and I don't think you'll get them. Okay. Well, I got one but more. I, let me. I got yeah. one more team that I haven't suggested yet, and it was based off of how it finished the season and how many pieces it returns. Um, so I have Wisconsin at twelve. Are they in your top ten? I have Wisconsin eleven. Oh my god! All right. So we have not touched on two teams in your top ten, correct? I have not. I have not guessed those yet. You're missing two teams in my top ten. And you don't think I'll get one of them? I don't think you'll get one of them. One of them is a big brand that I'm that I'm I'm a little skeptical of. But if you doubt these dudes, you're 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 running. Well, I didn't four. I didn't guess Kansas yet. So I've I got Kansas, Kansas has got a, is it? I've got Kansas tenth. Okay, um, Kansas. I just didn't. Get, you know, listen. If Dotson goes, I I'd be fascinated if Dotson came back. Um, but Dotson goes, Azubuki goes. Um, Isaiah Moss gone. Isaiah Moss is gone there. I don't. I can't recall who they have coming in. I don't remember who's coming. Bryce Thompson. Oh, Bryce Thompson. Big... That's right. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Thompson. But then there's like the big unknown of like they're just they're a wild card because we don't know if they're going to get hit and if they are like Bill Self gets suspended. Like you know, I don't think you took that into account with these rankings. But they. But if that winds up happening, oh by the way. Like that's a significant deal. <laughs> if we learn that Bill Self is not coaching Kansas for fifteen, twenty, or thirty games next season, like it has a tangible impact. But I know you uh, didn't rank based off of that. Yeah, I did. I did not consider that. But I will say this: I rank Kansas tenth, mostly because it's Kansas. Yeah. Like, I like if you if you cha- took that roster and changed the name, I don't even know if I'd have it in the top twenty. I don't love the roster. Okay. Yeah. 
Bryce Thompson's a fun player, but I do, I I don't uh I don't necessarily know if it's yeah, if it's it'll it'll be intriguing. Um all right, so I'm missing your number 9 team, is that correct? You're missing my number 8 team. Iowa was ninth. So you're missing the team in between Virginia and Iowa. Give me a hint that won't give it away but makes it at least somewhat guessable. Um a hint that won't give it away. Let me call something up right now. I'm just uh-huh. trying to think. Like, I'm running through my head of, like, Tennessee would have been a good guess. I think Tennessee should be pretty good next season. Um, they are, they are, they have a, I, my projection has them bringing back their top six scores. Really? Top six scores from a team that, that won a share of its league. Huh. I'm inclined. Just trying to run through the league winners. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you say that, the team that actually pops in my head is UCLA, but there's no way you have UCLA that high. No, but I do have UCLA ranked. Yeah, I would have UCLA ranked as well. And then another team that would come to mind was, does Houston qualify? That's it. It's Is Houston. it really? Boom, buddy. There we go. All righty. Wow. All right. Houston. Now, I have Houston higher than anybody else, but like top, it finished 14th at Ken Palm, can return its top six scores. I mean, the only one that some people seem to think might leave is uh, Dejan Giroux. Yeah. And, and like he might, but like, I, I don't know, unless he just hates college, you know, it's not like he's a projected first round pick. So assuming he's back, Quentin Grimes back. Um, they would return their top six scores from a 23-win team that finished 14th at Kempa. And, oh, by the way, just small things that might wind up meaning something like UConn leaves the league. So if maybe they get picked off on a road game at stores, that's not there anymore. UConn's going to the Big East, so that actually helps Houston's chances at like being a highly ranked team uh, down the road. Um, all right, so the, for those who might have lost track, recap your one through ten before we uh, pick apart the rest of the rankings here. Number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Kentucky. Number three, Creighton. Number four, Baylor. Number five, Villanova. Number six, Duke. Number seven, Virginia. Number eight, Houston. Number nine, Iowa. Number ten, Kansas. And because we've already named them, number eleven, Wisconsin. Number twelve, Michigan State. Number thirteen, Tennessee. Okay, how about that? Now for the remaining teams in there. How many of them uh, are not schools that are in there, not even on an every-year basis, but, you know, on an every two-, three-, four-year basis? Like, do you have some unusual suspects, so to speak? Not really. Everybody there is a recognizable ranked brand. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw – I'm going to just toss a couple teams out that I'm curious about if you ranked them or if they just missed the cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about a school like – that had a really solid season, but is going to lose key uh, underclassmen and seniors. Do you have Maryland ranked? I do not have Maryland ranked. I considered it. Um, I mean, they lose their two best players, obviously. And, um, but, but I mean, they bring back a lot of dudes who have, you know, who just won a Big Ten title, but I, I did not have them ranked. They were on the list of others that I looked at, though, okay. obviously. Uh, how about another school that's in the midst of its best run ever um, and has been getting more and more credit appropriately, loses guys now annually to the NBA draft, will do so again, uh, was way undersold heading into last season and proved everyone wrong. Where do you have Florida State if indeed you have them ranked? I have them 25th. And I, 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 honestly, I just ranked them because at this point, 
I, I'm, I believe in Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, it took him, it took him, you know, coaching for 50 years for me to reach the point where I'm just like, why are you betting against Leonard Hamilton? Um, so, but, but I do have them losing. I think their top four scores, like uh, Trent Forrest is gone. Vassell's gone. I've got Patrick Williams also projected to leave. They bring back MJ under these circumstances, yeah. MJ Walker, um, Malik Osborne. Um, they add Scotty Barnes, five-star freshman. Um, he's it, good. It, yeah. I like him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? This is another one of those that it's a little bit like, I don't know if I'd have had Kansas in the top 10, if it wasn't named Kansas, I don't know that I would rank this roster if it wasn't Florida state, but Florida state is, is a consistently good team. Uh, so I'm just betting on them being good one way or another. Once again, yeah, I got and, and Leonard, like it's, it's actually a good sign. Like Leonard's earned that it's finally, it's finally happening. And if they, if we, if we look up and they are a ranked team in the preseason, I think it'll be a, a not a, a tip of the cap and a not a respect to, to him. So you mentioned UCLA's rank. Where did you have the Bruins at? I got UCLA 21st. Okay. Um, curious on another piece of news that I didn't touch upon in that quick segment earlier. Um, what will be one of the more high-profile transfers of the offseason happened earlier this week when Ohio State got Seth Towns out of Harvard. He is from the greater Columbus area. So Seth Towns will go to OSU. I actually don't know if he is going to even start. Uh, OSU... Um, uh, they they just to me they've got a really solid backcourt so he might be a, a really valuable six man I would think that you have the Buckeyes ranked and I say that knowing that I mean Caleb Weston's going to declare her at some point and he's going to be gone but you'd rank the Buckeyes nonetheless I would assume yes 19th and I do have that with Caleb Weston gone so they lose Andre Weston Caleb Weston DJ Carton um, has announced that he's going to transfer yes um, but bring back Dwayne Washington C J Walker Kyle Young Luther Muhammad you enroll Seth Towns. Um, they had a transfer sitting out. Um, yeah, I, yeah it, you know, somewhere anywhere fifteen to twenty makes sense for me with Ohio State. I got them nineteen. Okay, I have three more schools I wanted to, uh, that I was curious about, and then you can run through the rest of the rankings. One is, uh, I don't know if this school was going to be on the outside looking in for you, but I, I got to believe that it's in for sure, and that is West Virginia getting huge news. That Derek Culver is coming back, and so is Oscar Shibway, who, by the way, was a top 15 freshman in America. So they bring back and will have a claim to one of the best front courts in America. I got to believe you have the Mountaineers ranked. I probably would have them ranked in the teens. Do you have them there? Yes, I've got them 14th. Okay. I mean, that was a team that, uh, because they stumbled down the stretch, they went three and six final nine games, but the computer numbers were still super strong. They, they finished 10th at Ken Palm. So if you finished. 10th at Ken Palm, and you bring back the most important pieces from that team, like, you know, this this is about what you are. You know, I got I got them 14th, and that might be too low. Okay. Maybe, but we'll see. I think that's I think that's fair. Um two other teams that I'm most curious about, and then I'm interested to see the ones that I didn't think of, and you can tell me where they're at. Um and I do want to know the ones that just missed the so the fans can get angry at you, but I am genuinely curious about the ones that just didn't quite break through. Uh, maybe one of these teams will be that. What? How do you reconcile the roster situation, the coaching pedigree, with what's happening at Texas Tech? Do they make it? Texas Tech has become one of the schools where auto preseason rank. Okay. Because um, I've got them losing Jamias Ramsey, but I have them 18th. Okay. That seems like next year they're still going to have two players who started in the national championship game on the roster, which just seems like unusual for college yeah. basketball. The, two players who start who, who started in the national championship game in 2019 will still be on the 2021 roster. Hmm. 
Yeah, that is unusual. Um, all right, that uh, at first glance that seems a little high to me, but we'll see. But who knows? We'll see. And then the other team that I was curious about because it was it was good this year. It's gonna lose its best player, and that's Io Desumu in Illinois. Do you still have the Fighting Illini? And I would presume with Coburn coming back. I did consider them. I did not rank them. You did not rank them. Okay. Were they were they one of the two on the cut line or just a little beyond that? No, a little okay. beyond. All right. So flesh out the rest of your rankings so the fans of these teams that have been waiting for their names to be called can be uh, rewarded here. What do you got? So, so we established uh, West Virginia was 14, Michigan 15, and that is with them eventually adding Joshua Christopher, five-star prospect, yeah. I believe from California, supposed to commit next week and – I'm not going to pretend to have any insight into his recruitment. I've never asked a person about it. I just know that it's 100% uh, to Michigan on 24-7 sports. So I'm going to, you know, I project him to go to Michigan. So you put him on that roster. uh, Isaiah Livers back. David DeJulius back. Franz uh, Wagner back. They lose Xavier Timpson, John Teske. Everybody else should be back. And they add a five-star in Joshua Christopher. They add Isaiah Todd. Um, I like that team. I'm a little higher on Michigan than most people. But I've got Michigan 15, North Carolina 16, my San Diego State Aztecs at 17 okay. with preseason first-team All-American Malachi Flynn, um, Texas Tech 18, Ohio State 19, 20, Texas. That's with Greg Brown on the roster. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg that- Brown's a fun player, by the way. Um, okay. That, that I, I don't think that's – too high or anything i'm just texas is super that the situation is just super interesting all right 21 ucla 22 lsu now that is with all these dudes coming back um i don't know that they all will yeah lsu is one of the situations where they don't have an obvious first round pick but they got a bunch of guys who could get reasonably get on with their professional careers if they wanted to gp only player of note they lose is skyler maze yeah okay and they bring so they in under these projections they bring back Trendon Wofford, Emmett Williams, Javante Smart, Darius Days. They add Cameron Thomas, Josh LeBlanc, uh, the guy from Friends, right? <laughs> uh, from Georgetown. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I got LSU at 22, Arkansas at 23. I've got uh, them bring it back. They Nathan lost someone Jones. today. Uh, who they lose? I thought I saw that come across. Jimmy Witt. Jalen Harris. Jalen Harris. That's who it was. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, but they bring back Mason Jones under these projections, bring back Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe. And the truth is like, that's probably a top 25, top 30 team this past season. If, if Isaiah Joe never gets hurt, their, their body of work got messed up because of his injury. Yeah. You bring those guys back and then you add a, a, a top 10 recruiting class. Um, I, I you know. Arkansas 23 for better or worse. Uh, Oregon 24, Florida state 25. And the team I put 26, I, I know the head coach probably. Let me try and so let me try and guess it. So set it up here, and I'll see if I can guess it. Go ahead. Okay. The team I put 26. At some point, I will get a text message from the head coach, and he'll say, "Come on, you really don't think we should be higher than that?" And I will tell him the only reason I've got you 26 is because of you, because my, I believe in you. My first guess is Bruce Pearl. No. Okay. My second guess, I'm just looking at the Ken Palm. Because when I because this roster, I don't like the roster. This is not a top twenty six roster. Because of who who would text you? 
Um, I'm looking at the Ken Palm rankings here. First of all, no respect to the Dayton Flyers. Got to note that. I considered it. I considered it, but I just didn't. I didn't see it. It's all right. Whatever, man. Um, Dayton fans coming for you. Uh, who would it be? Um, <laughs> trying to imagine Steve Peichel just coming at you with <laughs> the text. Um, GP, I'm a, I'm a bit. I, I think I'm a bit lost on on who this would be. To be to be honest. Uh, all right, give it up because no, none of the teams that I'm looking at are are popping in terms of it would um, it would correlate. Who is it? Louisville. Okay. I know I can see I can see that. I can see that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I like I don't like the roster that much. I mean they bring in the JUCO kid, Jay Scrub, who is supposedly really, really good. Um and, and but like you lose Jordan Wara and the rest of the guys they bring back are I mean, they're just bit – they haven't – you're going to need guys who haven't done much at the collegiate level to do a lot at the collegiate level for Louisville to be really, really good. All right, time to give it up. Who were 27 and 28? Who would you grapple with? Uh, Florida and Colorado. Colorado, I'm. this is my projection. Colorado will lose Tyler Bay and keep McKinley right, although it could lose both. Uh, I would think that that's going to be the situation there. And then, I mean, Florida, it's just, you know, they can be good again. One of the biggest letdowns this past season. And then you have them losing Scotty Lewis. I didn't have them losing any of those dudes. None of them. Uh, That's why it was hard to leave them off. It was like, you look at the roster, and the roster, I like the roster. I tell you what, I like that Florida roster better than I like the Louisville roster. But I'm just tired of being disappointed in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I get you. I get you. Um, all right, all around, did it feel like we've done this in the past, uh, where we've convened as a brain trust and, and done this, um, and I can say in the past, like there have been years in the past where I've helped you with this and Mm -hmm. I've been like, you're telling me this trash ass team is going to be the 18th team, the 21st team. And like, it'd be like beyond the top 10, like these teams are terrible. Did you have some of that this year, or does it feel like next year will be relatively stronger? Like, did you feel like it was easier, or did you kind of find yourself kind of on the hunt there as you got into the late teens, early 20s? No, that, that's interesting. Um, there have been years where I constantly feel like everybody's too high because nobody can really be this good. Right. You're like, really? This team's the eighth team in the country? Right. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. That, just the opposite when I did this one. I, I felt like I had everybody too low. Like I, I would, I would, I would start uh, further examining West Virginia, for instance, because I had West Virginia lower, and then I was like, "Why? They're bringing back all these dudes. They were tenth at Ken Palm last season. I got to get them higher." And so I moved them higher, and every time I moved them above somebody, I was like, "Ugh, I don't really like moving them above that team, though. Ugh, I don't like moving them above that team, though." Um, I listen. This stuff is subjective, especially in March of you know of. Yeah. of uh, before the next season, even like the the current season's not even supposed to be over yet, uh, so this is obviously subjective. But I I will tell you, I didn't feel like, oh, I gotta find three more. Sp-. I was cutting teams as opposed to adding teams at the end, and I, like every once I got into the teens, I was like, man, I think West Virginia's still too low. Ooh, I wish I could get Mich- North Carolina higher. Ooh, I wish I could get San Diego State a little bit higher. Um, I I like I I. I got excited about next season while doing while spending the past four or five days working on this. 
let's do something for November. Um, so you've got this, like, take your top 25 and one right now. Like, mm-hmm. March 24th, you did this. Put it in a document. If you can't do it, I'll do it. Because I, what I would love to do is then let's let's look at it the 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 pod before the season starts and let's just see how much stuff has happened over the course of seven months that has made fluctuations change i would just love to see where we start here and where we end up and how many teams jump in how many teams fall out and who falls where i I think that'd be a fun thing to look back on and see how much has changed i will say i've done i haven't i've never sat down and like really like looked at it number by number but in general, I have gone back and compared the first version of the top 25 and one to the actual preseason top 25 and one that exists on the day the season starts. And they largely look the same. They do. It, it, you know, pe- people, every time you publish one of these so far in advance, people love to tell you it's a waste of time. It's stupid. You don't know what next season's teams are going to look like. And the truth is, it is it's way closer to reality than most people than some people want to give it credit for. All right. Dude. And I don't and let me be clear. I'm not just talking about the top yeah. 25 one. I'm talking about everybody's rankings. Like you can reasonably put together a, a group of teams that are going to be the best teams in the in the country next season. Um, you can reasonably go ahead and do that. All right, good deal. Um, well, well, there you have it. Uh, direct all uh, praise and complaints and correspondence at Gary Parish CBS and. Uh, it's good stuff. It came a lot earlier than we wanted it to, but uh, at this point, you know, got to look, got to look ahead. You know, to try and get some uh, some actual basketball content out there, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. So we don't have live sports in the United States right now, but CBS and CBS Sports Network have been re-airing NCAA tournament games, and I'm not the type who like sits around and watches games over and over again, or um, even movies over and over again. Like once I've seen a movie, I, I might stumble into it again someday, but I don't usually make it a point to be like, uh, I'm going to watch the Irishman again. You know, like I, I just, I, I've yeah. seen it. I don't need to see it again. Um, I've had fun watching these games. Like not, not, they've sort of been background, but have you watched much of them? Oh yeah, I have. In fact, as we've been, we, we've been doing this podcast, I've got it on mute here in my office, but CBS sports network here on Tuesday night, they re-aired, Virginia Purdue, so I was actually watching that as I was doing some stuff earlier, and that's honestly that's just an all-time. Uh, I was right, like some of those shots Carson Edwards were w- was making, GP, like it was right in front of me. Like I'm talking like nine, like social distancing appropriate <laughs> length, eight feet, nine feet away from me, and so I had never seen the game on TV before, being that obviously, duh, I was in the arena, and that was awesome, and then as we've been doing this, all of five minutes ago, it was the end of the Final Four, Virginia-Auburn, and that Kyle guy fouled on a three, and Bruce Pearl about ready to blow a gasket, 62-60 Auburn, that Virginia run was absolutely insane, so I have enjoyed it, and yes, over the weekend, we had the past championship games on CBS, um, I was particularly excited to watch the Kansas-Memphis game because I tweeted this out. Back then, you were working for CBSSports.com. I, I shout out to maybe a few OGs who would remember this and actually still listen to this podcast. But I started a, a website called CollegeHoopsJournal.com in November of 2007 when I just I wanted to become a college basketball writer. I was doing local sports, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was living in a house with all my buddies, and I remember 
that title game sitting in the in the couch in our house, like live blogging, writing about it. Like I was super invested, uh, you know, just loving it. And that was a crazy classic game. Like I remember my housemates going nuts at this thing. And meantime, I'm like, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work here. Like, you know, and it's just me writing for my own little independent site. And I hadn't seen the game since then. And while you know the outcome, like there are just certain things about the game that you forget. And so I was riveted with that. And then obviously you had the replay of Virginia last year winning over Texas Tech. And then um, with Nova beating North Carolina, I went back and found some of my tweets in real time. So, yes, I actually personally I'm so starved for this stuff, GP, that I have enjoyed it. And particularly when you get to the title games, like, you know, there's so much on the line. Yes. And, you know, long story too long. I I very much have enjoyed uh, going back and experiencing that. So the. I, I've had a bunch of them on, like just as background while I'm, you know, chasing yeah. kids around. But I did actually sit down and watch the 2008 title game because I knew I would talk about it the next day on radio, given where I live. And I had seen Antonio Anderson tweet. He was about to watch it for the first time since he played in it. He had never seen it. And so I, I texted him and I was like, hey, let's come on radio with me tomorrow and let's talk about it. So I wanted to, to watch it. And it, it's wild how my memory of it didn't match up in certain spots with what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm confident I'm, I'm not the only person like that. Now keep in mind it's 12 years ago, a long time ago, but the first thing that struck out to me when watching that one, those teams were awesome. They were GP. <laughs> it was an awesome watch. It was the best watch of the three games we got just in terms of watching the teams. And it was, I think I tweeted something GP. It was immediate like when you were watching the energy was still coming off the screen and I think part of that was also I didn't realize this like now when you have the games in these uh, football stadiums the setup is more like the courts in the middle and then you've got all, like this tons of fans don't get me wrong but apparently in 08 you remember this I was in the building like the court wasn't raised it was more to the one side like the way Syracuse does its basketball games and I actually think that had an impact on the uh, the verve if you will of the broadcast like yeah, it, it was it was terrific. It was like both. The, that's the first thing that struck out. And then I, I start looking it up. You realize those two teams weren't. Obviously, every most people know that 2008 was the one time in history where we had four number one seeds in the final four. Um, Kansas and Memphis finished first and second at Ken Palm. And. That is the only one time since then has the teams that finished first and second at Ken Palm actually played for the national championship like Kansas Memphis did in 2008 trivia time oh boy. can you name it can you name it that's a good question um i want to get this i would say only one time since so uh my first instinct gp my first instinct is unc over gonzaga 17 that is not right it's not no, you and that year, it was a Gonzaga finished one, first at Ken Palm yeah. and North Carolina finished third at Ken Palm. Okay, my second instinct. See, I don't think that I could be wrong about this, but I. Uh, all right, I'm gonna. This is not what I want to say, but maybe it. Ah, GP. All right, I don't feel like Nova over Carolina 16 is the answer because Nova was a two seed, right? That's not it. 
Nova was a two seed, but they were so awesome in that NCAA tournament. They finished first at Kenpa. And did you was UNC two? UNC was two. That was the year. How about that? And that wasn't. What's funny is that was an awesome story, epic ending, all time game. The eighteen Nova team was better than the sixteen Nova team. But the 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 sixteen team will be remembered more for Jenkins' shot. But the eighteen team was insanely good. But there you have it. Okay, so 2008 and 2016, the only time in the past 12 years we've had one versus two finishing Ken Palm also playing the title game. Correct. And Kansas's adjusted efficiency margin that season was, um, let me make sure I've got it exactly right, plus 35.21, which is the second highest, second best in the Ken Palm era. Second only to trivia time, name it. I love it. Um my first instinct is 05 Carolina. Nope. Okay. Uh, okay. 05 Th- Carolina was plus 32.77. Then, oh, well, then uh, then I, I got to go Kentucky, 15. That's it, plus okay. 36.91. Okay. It's the highest of the Ken Palm era, and they lost in the Final Four, finished 38-1. and one. So that was my first thing that jumped off the screen. Man, this Kansas team is awesome, and this Memphis team – is awesome. The other thing, um, Kansas shot, by the way, like 52% from the field against a Memphis team that was second in defensive efficiency. And it was like 60% from two point range in the game. So that it was, was horrendous from three. I mean, it didn't hit that. The Chalmers for the tie was like the third made three of the game for the Jayhawks. That's correct. They only made, th- they only made three in regulation. And um, here's the other thing that stood out. There were two other things that really stood out. The way I've always described that is Memphis blew a nine-point lead with less than two to play, which is true. Um, Robert Dozier made two free throws with 212 left to make it 60-51. Then Kansas inbounds the ball, but Kansas didn't score again until there was 157 left in the game. So with 158 left in the game, it was still a nine-point game. Memphis had a nine-point lead with less than two to play. What I had forgotten at some point over the years because when you label it that way, it's like, my God, how do you blow a nine-point lead with less than two minutes to play? But do you realize it went from nine points to four points in a span of eight seconds? I realized it when I watched it, but I didn't remember it happening like that. But, yes, it turned quickly. With 157 left, Memphis is up 60-51. Then Darrell Arthur knocks down a jumper, makes it 60-53. And then Antonio Anderson inbounds. Sharon Collins steals it. I don't know if you noticed this. Comes down on the baseline. He was out of bounds. Oh, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah. He's out of bounds. So it should have been Memphis ball again. It, refs missed that. Uh, ball gets bounced around. Collins ends up corner three with 149 left. So now it's 60-56. So this is like a totally different basketball game. 60-51 with less than two to play sounds, how do you blow that? 60-56 with 149 left? Right. That, that's nothing. You know, like that. At that point, you had a real basketball game. And then the free throws were a real thing. Memphis missed four of five in the final 75 seconds. Again, this is where memory doesn't match up with reality. CDR. It's CDR. It's not Derrick Rose. That's right. I mean, Rose misses one, but it's CDR. Yeah. CDR misses three straight. He goes 0 of three in those 75 seconds. And then my memory, if you'd have asked me about overtime, I'd have said, yeah, Kansas took control and it was over. It's not really what happened. Kansas did take control. They come out and scored. Layup, dunk, layup. They go up six. Six zero run to start overtime. But it was a one possession game with forty five seconds left. In in overtime. Yep. Like like CDR hits a three, 
cuts it to three. There's 55 seconds left, and and so Memphis needs to stop, and then they get to go down and 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 try to tie it. And instead, they foul Chalmers for some reason. He goes, knocks down two free throws, then CDR misses a layup, CDR misses a three, and that was basically the game. But my rec- recollection was the game got out of hand in overtime, and Kansas won by seven. Memphis never had a chance. In reality, with 55 seconds to go, it was a one-possession game. Yeah, that was uh... – that was a great, great watch. And uh, on Saturday, you even had some of the ones from the 80s, uh, like NC State, Carolina, uh, eight, Carolina 82, NC State 83. And then you had um, the Elite Eight, Duke over Kentucky, and what some people consider to be the best ever. Now, just as a quick look ahead for those listening to the podcast, CBS Sports Network will have Lehigh versus – I want to ask you a question about a couple of these real quick, though – Six o'clock on Wednesday night, Lehigh versus Duke, two, 2012 first round. That's a 15 over a two. Uh, then after that, eight o'clock, you've got Davidson. You got a double. You got back to back Steph Curry, 08. Davidson beating Gonzaga, and then Davidson beating Georgetown, and that's at 10 o'clock. And then midnight, you get the replay of UMBC over Virginia. Real quick, UMBC beating Virginia. I was in a hotel uh, bar lob uh, a bar in the in the lobby in a Marriott in Pittsburgh with Dana O'Neill, Jeff Goodman. And I think there were one or two other writers, and it went from like, "Oh, this might happen," to "No, they're killing them. We all have to go leave and prepare to write about this thing." Uh, that was a surreal feeling. But '08, when Curry did that, and I know your memory can be spotty sometimes. <laughs> were you? Do you remember the site you would have been covering for .com in '08? And I'm guessing it wasn't Davidson Georgetown, uh, and and Davidson Gonzaga. If you were elsewhere, and if you were covering games on the same day Steph would have been playing or if you had the benefit of being able to watch them because they were alternate to the site that you were at? Okay. I don't remember where I was. Okay. <laughs> I no, no shock, but I figured no. I'd ask just in case. Okay. But I do remember that my games were opposite Steph games. So you know, I, it, okay. So your games were not happening on the same day. No. because Here's the other thing because I, I went and pulled up the schedule earlier as well. Okay. Do you remember Steph Curry being a thing during the season? Yes. I really don't. I do. Now, not a hu- I, here's why I remember it. This was, again, the reason why I remember it was the first season of College Hoops Journal. Shouts and RIP. Um, I remember because when Davidson got seated, and Steph became a bigger thing the next year because he returned and – um, uh, freaking! Why am I blanking on the Loyola coach? Patsos had three dudes guarding him, and that was a whole like stunt, like just ridiculousness. That happened the next season, but when Davidson got seated, they became like the trendy upset pick. They got this kid, Stephen. No one called him Steph Curry. He was Stephen Curry, and, and even at that point, people were still incorrectly saying his name here, or there as Stephen Curry. Like that was still a thing, and so he was on the radar. But of course, it vaults into an, a completely different the mesosphere once he plays the way that he plays, and they beat Gonzaga, and it becomes a thing. And I remember Nance. It would have been Nance and Packer were on the like the. Davidson got the CBS A team to cover, so that you know the profile goes even higher at that point. So I do remember him that being a little bit of a thing. It wasn't like they came out of nowhere. You remember it differently, like a complete explosion onto the scene. I I, I don't remember talking about him or thinking about him much during the season. 
I just, I, I like, I'm not saying I never did it. I just don't, I don't really remember it. And because in 2008, I think of obviously Memphis being undefeated into February was a big story. Uh, the Memphis Tennessee game at FedEx Forum, one versus two, was a a, a big story. Um, I don't really remember talking about. I don't really remember this little guard, Dale Curry's kid at Davidson, scoring all these points, being a constant topic of conversation in the regular season. But I obviously remember it becoming the story of the first, at least the first four rounds of the 2008 NCAA tournament. Steph Curry was the story because here's here's what I remember. Okay. Um, Okay, so he goes out and he gets 40 in the first round against Gonzaga. Right. All right. So now it's like what he was eight of ten from. He first. was the John Morant of that day. Like that he yes. he became the story on that day of the tournament. Right. So then it's like, okay, they get Georgetown, he goes and gets 30. And this is what happens in between the second round and the Sweet 16, is that we got so much time in between those games, they get built up. It, particularly if you do something like what he had just done. I remember Gonzaga, Wisconsin. Um, if that that was that it next, Gonzaga, Wisconsin. Yes, and they beat them I, easily. It feels like that was a Friday night game. It was because I, here's how it's just funny how we remember these things. I know it was because I specifically remember Davidson, Gonzaga being a Sunday game. Or Davidson, Gonzaga. I, I specifically remember Davidson, Kansas, and that epic being the Sunday game. And having like the weird vantage point, they played GP. I think they played that in Lucas Oil. I think I want to say I could be wrong. I want to say they played in the stadium, no doubt about it. But yes, I know that's the case because I remember uh, it being like a thing. Like it was the Sunday buildup. Will Davidson make the Final Four? And this is two years removed from George Mason and be like the next George Mason. Oh, I thought the bigger story was like is Kansas going to get bounced again, right? I mean, that was, was probably thing. both. It was probably both. Yeah. But remember, we are two years after Mason, and here's the right. next team that can do it. And 08 Kansas was not a number. It was not the number one overall seed. But it was. It was again. It was. You know, this is the Kansas team that went on to beat Memphis, and that was a uh, that was a big deal, and it was a really really close game. By the way, uh, Curry averaged that season 07 08. He averaged 31.2 points per 40 minutes. I look at the wrong stat there. And he averaged 20. He averaged 25.6 points per game. 25.9 points per game. So he was near the top in scoring. And they went undefeated in the conference. And they also won at Winthrop in bracket busters. And that's back in the day. Uh, when Winthrop was a, a pretty reliable team, they made the NCAA tournament that season. So that's again more of why they were. I just I feel like they were somewhat on the radar there. Um, but anyway, I'm trying to figure out where you were. I, yeah. How about this? Um, okay. First of all, th- my my first point was I remember Davidson, Wisconsin, being like, you know, wherever I was. Hey, let's get done with all of our riding before yeah. that starts. Settle in to bar and watch that game. I remember that being. Like, that's a point. We're not, dude, Steph Curry's playing tonight. We're not missing that. Okay. But I don't, I I still can't figure out where I I was. We're going to figure this out. I got to know. Okay. Here were the first weekend sites. All right. And if I'll give you games. You wouldn't have gone to Denver. There's no way you were going to Denver, right? Can you ever remember going to Denver? I've been to Denver, but I don't think I've ever been to the NCAA tournament there. Birmingham had Oklahoma beat St. Joe's. It had Louisville beat Boise State. It had Butler over South Alabama. It had Tennessee beating American. Think you were there, Birmingham? 
I don't have any recollection of any of that. Like you, it would have made sense if you lived in Memphis to go to Birmingham. You don't, right. You don't think so? Butler, I'm, Tennessee Butler overtime game, second round. You weren't there? Then I mean, I, maybe. I mean, somebody could probably Google it and figure it out. Oh, I don't, you, were you? Uh, let me let me let me let me let me save you some time. I've already looked at all these sites. You don't looked, know? I have no idea. Come on, you can't remember <laughs> even when looking at the sites in the games? I can't remember. What? It might have been Birmingham, but I cannot remember. That's unbelievable. Is that weird? That's really weird. I bet you were in Birmingham. I just don't think there would have been any other way. I tell you what, you weren't in Tampa because you'd remember it. The 08 Tampa was the classic. Every lower-seeded team won. San Diego beat UConn. Western Kentucky won on the buzzer beater. Ty Rogers to beat fifth-seeded Drake, who had randomly its best season ever and got a five-seed. You had, what were the other two Tampa games? Siena, 13-seed beats Vandy. And then 12 seed of Clemson or 12 seed Villanova beats Clemson. You would remember if you were in Tampa because it became like a, a, a thing. It was like, well, let's go back to Tampa where another double digit seed's about to win. So you definitely weren't there. There's no way you'd remember that. I don't think I was. I don't think I was there. But I, I was looking at North Little Rock. That would make sense for me as well. Um, it's close to Memphis. Memphis was there, but it just I don't remember being there. I don't remember being there. All right. What about the second weekend? I couldn't figure that out either. Oh my god, dude! I know, I know, I wasn't in Houston because I remember watching Memphis, Michigan State on TV, wherever I was. So I wasn't in Detroit for that the was, Midwest. That was Davidson. Then Davidson was playing yes. in Detroit for Field. Okay, so I know I wasn't in Houston and I wasn't in Detroit. So that means I had to be Charlotte in Charlotte, Carolina, or... Louisville, Phoenix had. Charlotte or Phoenix? You would have had UCLA. I, mean, I think I was in Charlotte, probably. I just can't remember. It's amazing to me. I can remember every single site I've ever covered. It's just I can't remember. No, I I have like I think if I had to bet right now, I would bet Charlotte, but I don't remember. I don't remember anything. I don't even remember that, if I was there. I'm just guessing. That's incredible. I, just, I know <laughs> where I was. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good, man. It's that's like <laughs> genuinely concerning. I, that means I spent like four days somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> it's it's more like ten when you factor in travel in the first weekend. By pure <laughs> matter of logical deduction, we can only say that we know that you were in San Antonio for the final four because you had to be. I was definitely. I was definitely. Do you there. even remember? I was definitely there. You're okay. That's not answering it, but fair enough. Um. The other game, real quick, is that's going to air on Wednesday. The first one is Lehigh at Duke. Trivia time. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it because you don't remember anything. Um, <laughs> what was the other huge upset that happened that very day? Oh God, I don't. I, did, I didn't even remember what year that was until I looked looked it up. 2012. Right. It, it's it's interesting how this is kind of like it's just not I remember when it happened on that day because I was so I was in the locker room this was 2012 that would have been Portland I was in Portland because that's when I wrote the story I was in the VCU locker room and when I was in the VCU locker it was media availability they had the TVs on and that's when we all saw that Norfolk State was beating number two Missouri. So I, I mean, I, I do remember that happened. 
on the same day, Friday, March 16th, you had two 15 over twos. And that has kind of been lost to history a bit, which is a little surprising to me. Now, Missouri, the, the, the Missouri, if I remember this correctly, Norfolk State, I think, was underseated. Like, it should not have been on the 15 line. And Missouri is not the team that kind of lands on the two every year, obviously, or even in the top five or even get into the tournament. So when it happened, it had shock value, but it was not like – Richmond over Syracuse back in the day, Coppin State over South Carolina, even if the South Carolina is not a, a typical team like that. And then that got immediately overshadowed because you had Lehigh, and this was Duke losing before it fell against Mercer, which came two years later. Like that was a 14 over three, and I wonder if listeners would agree with this. It almost feels like 14 seeded Mercer beating three seeded Duke is remembered or at least brought up more often than 15 over 2 Lehigh over Duke. And that was the Lehigh team, which is weird to me because Lehigh had C.J. McCollum that season and Duke had Jabari Parker. And if memory serves, I want to say the Duke team that lost to Mercer had Austin Rivers. Like it didn't even have talent that was on the whole as strong. I always felt that was a little bit weird, but that's the Lehigh over Duke game 15 over 2. 2012 will be the first of the four that airs Wednesday night on CBS and uh, CBS Sports Network, I should say. And uh, certainly a classic because we've only had, I think off the top of my head, I think seven times, maybe six times, a 15 beat a two. Just to happen 2012, we had two in the same afternoon. This should be a new um, podcast segment where every every podcast, like every once a week, we go through an NCAA tournament bracket and we try to figure out if we can remember where I was. <laughs> We should do, well. How about this, real quick here, because this is not going to air. Well, when we do our next podcast, we'll give you some heads up. But like, for I'll tell you what, I specific. Do you remember where you were? Two thousand two, Sweet Sixteen, Indiana. The Ford beats Duke. The one. Jay Williams misses the foul shots at the line. You can read his lips when he's going. O F. Do you remember where you were for O two? Two like like two thousand two. It was a significant upset on a Friday night. I was in Syracuse. Uh, uh, dating a girl named Aaron at the time who listens to the podcast. Shouts to Aaron. And we were watching in like a in like a student center thing on this huge TV with like ten other people, and it was like the upset of that weekend. Yeah, Indiana over over Duke. You don't remember that? O two, huge huge outcome. I wow. I don't remember where I was. No clue. I mean I I can I can guess. I was uh, I have no idea where I was. Wow. Well, that's, uh, t- that, that's going to air on Thursday at 10 a.m. on CBS Sports Network. going to re-air yeah. at 10 o'clock at night. Just so you I will say, on the, on the do you remember where you were, I do remember the famous Valpo mm. Ole Miss game. It's airing at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. And I remember watching that in the journalism uh, school at the University of Memphis. We were there working on you know the newspaper, watching the NCAA tournament, and then Bryce Drew hit that shot. What's funny about the fact that you do remember it? I don't. I would have been a junior at South Burlington High School in Vermont. Shouts and where I, with buddies that I still talk to to this day, um, we would have been in the computer lab tracking the games online. And because I, I don't remember st- seeing that in real time, I want to say it was. Listen, some uh, some hardcore listeners that can remember this. 
uh, maybe you, you as well. I want to say that was an afternoon result and not an evening result. So if it's I, re- a, I remember it that way. I remember yeah. it as an afternoon game. Uh, yeah, because I want to say like I would have been in the computer. That's the one famous clip like I have. I, I don't, don't think I saw it live. I don't have any recollection of that game happening, that moment happening, and experiencing it in real time. That's the one of the, of the famous. Like I remember – uh, late night Hampton over Iowa State, where I was when it happened. I remember even as far back as, as Edney beating Missouri, I remember being in my living room watching that when it happened. I remember even like the random freaky ones, Bonaventure almost beating Kentucky, I want to say 03 that might have been. It was the very first game of the tournament. Like I have this weird memory about specific tip times, where I was, when I saw them. But the one that I don't is the Bryce Drew one. That's the one where I, I, I'm just out of place. I, I can't I can't picture. I even remember being in middle school when Santa Clara beat Arizona with Steve Nash. Like I, I can remember as far back as that. But it's just the it's the Valpo play that's uh, that's a miss for me. Um, all right. Here's a homework assignment for everybody. We're gonna try to figure out where I was for the 2008 NCAA tournament. I'm guessing Birmingham and Charlotte, but I'm not a hundred I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I'm guessing Birmingham and Charlotte try and figure it out this wound up being a much longer podcast but i had a great time and we're going to be back on thursday by the way so we, you know short short homework assignment we're going to need uh, those responses handed into the teacher in the next 48 hours shouts to devin downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to terry mf fatigue legend shouts to larnell please go subscribe i own college basketball podcast via apple podcast rated favorably five stars nice comments and uh we will talk to you again like norlander said on thursday night till then Uh, Stay safe and take care.